It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We are less than a month from the beginning of the NBA season, so I wanted to get a chance to sit down with our guy, Ku Khalil of Locked On Pistons and get ready for opening night. Ku, are, are you ready for opening night? Yeah, man. It needs, it needs to hurry up and get it here. Does. The ball season's lasted long enough. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree, uh, and, and I can't wait for opening night. We're going to talk today about the Orlando Magic and the Detroit Pistons and stages of rebuilding on today's crossover episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic as well as Locked On Pistons. My name is Philip ross I'm the site expert and editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Joined today by Ku Khalil of Locked On Pistons. Ku, where can everyone find you? Uh, for my listeners that, that may not know where, you, where you're at. Oh, you can find me over on Twitter at Ku Cahill. And really that's it. I'm obviously over at Locked On Pistons on YouTube and whatever podcast platform you guys listen to. Should I ask this off air? I'm pronouncing your name correctly, right? <laughs> it's Ku Cahill. Kuka heel. Sorry, but I, I I sincerely apologize about that. That is no, you're that fine. Is, that is I, my I, that is my fault. I'm sure you've heard it all, but yeah. Um, but Ku is a Ku guy. Uh, is a cool guy. Uh, as 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 I'm sure all of you can tell. Um, I, I wanted to get a chance though to to talk to you a little bit about kind of the stages of rebuilding because the, the Orlando Magic and the Detroit Pistons we're going to be growing up together. We're going to be competing uh, at, at the same time, and so I wanted to kind of get the chance to to just kind of assess where our teams are at as far as rebuilding and as far as the progress that they're making, because, you know, both teams this off season, uh, you know, had the opportunity maybe to go make a big splash and, and take, you know, kind of these, these bigger, these bigger steps. And, and, you know, as, as we're recording this, you know, Detroit acquired Bojan Bogdanovich, um, or, you know, uh, earlier or just, just before the season started. Um, and that could be considered a big move. And it's a move that I like, and I want to get into that a little bit, but, um, both the Magic and the Pistons kind of sat on their cap room and really decided to invest in youth. So I, w- I want to start with with you um, uh, on that point. You know, judging by the season the Pistons had last year, you know they they obviously ended up with the fourth pick in the fourth pick in the draft, I believe. Um, was that a decision that you that you agreed with, and 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 was that the right choice for where they're at developmentally with the guy like Cade Cunningham seemingly bursting at the seams? I think I think this was the right move by the Pistons and by Troy Weaver in this in this front office. Um, yeah, they had a lot of cap space this offseason. They had a had a chance to try to go after a DeAndre Aiden. Uh, I know he was a restricted free agent. He ended up back in Phoenix, but the Pistons apparently had a lot of interest in him, and they had a chance to go after him. Um, they had a chance to go after uh, Miles Bridges before his whole uh, situation blew up, um, but he was someone that they were interested in as well. So they had a lot of. They, 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 there was a lot of rumors. Colin Sexton was another guy. Jalen Brunson was another guy that they were rumored into or being interested into. So they could have went after these guys, uh, but Weaver eventually decided that, 
you know, this wasn't the offseason to go make a move. And I completely agree with them. A lot of these guys on the Pistons are either in their second year, Kate Cunningham, or their third year in the NBA. And these guys, while they have potential, and this is a really nice young core that the Pistons have, they're not ready yet to try to make that step to win. There, It would be way too soon to try to do that. You would fail doing so. They're not ready yet to try to go and compete for playoff spots and playoff seeding. Like, that's not where they're at right now. They still need to develop. They still need to get better. They don't need to have the pressure of having to win games. They need to have the pressure of just getting better every day, uh, every game they play. Uh, and he did that not only by surrounding them with some nice veterans for this season, like Boyan with this trade, but also Corey Joseph, Nerlens Noel, out Burks. He surrounded them with nice veterans so they can have competence on the floor. They're not going to get blown out, hopefully. They're going to be competitive. But also keeping that flexibility moving forward for the next offseason where they're ready to make that move. They're going to have like $90 million in cap space next offseason. They're going to have a ton of flexibility moving forward to make those moves still. Weaver decided that this offseason was not this offseason to do so. I agree with him. I think it's probably next offseason. And this year is just another year of focusing on development. Uh, and the, and the, real quick, the last point I want to make on that is I saw someone, I believe his name was Sam Quinn for CBS on Twitter. He made this point concerning the Charlotte Hornets. I think it's an excellent point. Uh, he brought up how the Charlotte Hornets went out and got Gordon Hayward, like uh, LaMelo Ball's second year. They punted on trying to go for another rebuilding year and try to accelerate it. And now they're somewhat screwed. They, they're screwed financially. They don't have – you can't just go out there and tank now this year. Like they're 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 ham, they're they're, they're they're handicapped now because they decide to press forward a little bit too fast. When you get a franchise player like that, LaMelo, Cade, uh, Paolo, all these guys, you get probably like one to two years to be able to surround them with some more uh, really good young prospects in the draft before then that you're really forced to have to start winning. If you try to do that too fast, you're going to cut out the time that you have to surround him with that young talent. I think Weaver understands that, and that's why he did the way – or he handled this offseason the way he did this offseason. Yeah, I, I I agree completely with that. I think the ma the Magic were in a similar situation. I mean, I think Detroit and Orlando were like two of the three teams that had cap room this offseason. And, and granted, this was not a strong offseason for free agents. Like all those guys that you mentioned uh, were restricted free agents. And so there's always the risk of, yeah, you could throw some money at him, but you got to throw enough money to convince the other team not to match. And, and, and that became a risk. And, you know, obviously kind of adding to that Charlotte point, Charlotte's kind of stuck a lot because – they put a lot of eggs in the Miles Bridges basket. And, and, you know, I don't want to reduce what Miles Bridges, what Miles Bridges is accused of doing to a contract maneuvering or to a team building thing. But there is the reality is there is that aspect to it. And, and Charlotte's success last year or what limited success they had, you know, did depend on Miles Bridges taking a pretty significant, pretty significant step. And so, you know, Orlando, I think, was in the same boat where. They just kind of started this rebuild, and 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 you know I, I would honestly say Detroit's probably a year ahead because they have Kate Cunningham with a year under his belt. You know, as much, as excited as we are for Paolo Bancaro, we don't know what he is yet. We don't really know what he looks like on an NBA floor, but we're, we're obviously all pretty excited about what he can be. Um, the Magic certainly have firsthand knowledge of how good Sadiq Bay can be. Um, uh, I, I, let's let's not talk about that too too much, uh, but uh, um, but. Um, you know, it, the Magic were in the same boat. There were people calling for them to go after all these restricted free agents so to get involved in some of these trades. And, and I think the Magic essentially brought back everyone from a 22-win team. They only lost Robin Lopez from their rotation. Um, they lost Ignis Perzdakis, who was on a two-way contract. Everyone else from last year's team is back. And so there's this expectation that, you know, A, 
these players are going to get better because I think outside of Terrence Ross and Gary Harris, everyone on the roster is younger than 25 years old. Um, so there's an expectation they're going to get better. Uh, but at the same time, there's also this expectation of like, okay, we're investing in you. This is that you're, we're hoping that you take ownership in this rebuild and, and believe that you guys want to do enough to win. Um, the next part of the equation is obviously learning how to win, which is not so straightforward and so easy to do. Um, you know, I, I think Detroit did a really good job getting Bojan Bogdanovic. I think that was a really good veteran to add. It, you know, something that I told a lot of Magic fans throughout the course of the offseason is I'd like to see the Magic add some more veterans or add another veteran to the mix uh, just to try and just just to have that stability. Um, you, you mentioned Gordon Hayward. I kind of joked with a lot of Magic fans that the Magic should maybe go after, go out and find a Gordon Hayward type guy. And this was before the Magic probably got the number one pick, but the Magic should go. I I, I actually kind of liked what Charlotte did. I agree that they kind of hamstrung themselves cap wise, but they added a guy like Gordon Hayward who could score twenty points per game, stabilize their offense while their young guys, you know, especially Lamelo Ball, kind of got their feet wet, got comfortable. Now, granted, they also had Terry Rozier, which probably would have accomplished that too, um, but. Finding, finding that guy to kind of stabilize as you go through the inconsistencies of youth, that's something that I really, really like. So I'll ask you, I'll ask you, you know, what impact, you know, obvi- obviously we're recording this before training camp starts, but, and before we see any preseason games, but what impact do you think Bojan Bogdanovic could have on, on the Pistons and, and both their short-term and, and long-term future? So I think short-term, he basically is going to accomplish exactly what you're saying. Uh, he's going to be a nice bet for them. Um, I think more importantly, what Troy Weaver seems to be trying to do, and I completely agree with that, I think it's the right move to go, is he's assembling a team that's not going to be good enough to win a lot of games, but they're not going to be bad enough to get blown out. Like, they're going to be out on the games competing. They're going to be in close games. And a lot of times, young teams end up losing a lot of their games in the fourth quarter because they don't know how to close games. They don't know how to win, like you said. So they're going to be competitive. Boyan is a really, really nice player. Uh, 18 points per game, I believe, 45, 38, 85 splits. Uh, so he's a really nice player. He's not a good enough player to take, again, like I said, a team that maybe was going to win like, I don't know, 26, 27 games, like 40 games or anything. But he might take them from like 26, 27 to like 30, 31, something like that. So he, he's going to do that. He's going to bring a nice vet presence in the locker room along with Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks, um, and Corey Joseph. I like that they have that presence on the team. And also, future-wise, I honestly think that they might be able to then flip him at the deadline, possibly for a first-round pick. I think teams will get more desperate around the trade deadline. Contenders will see uh, what they do need, what they're lacking, injuries. Maybe a team that didn't think they were going to be a contender and now feeling like they might be if they can add just one more scoring piece in the wing. Like All those kind of things happen throughout the season. I think he'll be probably one of the hottest names at the trade deadline because he's going to be on a rebuilding team, a guy who can compete or play for a contending team is just being stuck on a rebuilding team. I think teams will be calling about him. So I think that's his future for Detroit. First half of the season, provide all that stuff for him and then likely get flipped at the deadline for some more assets. Yeah. And if, and if there's a draft to try and get extra first round picks, it, it, starting to sound like or feel like this is a draft to do that. Uh, obviously, Orlando already has kind of one in the bag, depending on how bad Chicago is this year or how lucky how, how lucky or unlucky Chicago is this year. Um, but it's going to be another interesting draft. Uh, on that note, I, I'd like to chat a little bit about uh, where things stand with those kind of young players that, that, that these teams have taken in the last two drafts. We're going to get to that coming up here in just a moment. But Ku, uh, you and I both know that 
Uh, for the latest odds and scores, you got to check out Bet Online. I got the overlay on there and everything. It's your number one source for football betting and basketball betting this season. You can find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in depth articles and analysis on every game on Bet Online. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sporting wagering information with live betting and up to minute scores for every sport out there. Ku, I got to ask you, uh, have, if, have you gotten a chance to look at their lines for rookie of the year yet? I have. I see that Jay Nivey, at least last time I checked, he was third highest odds, I believe, okay. to win Rookie of the Year. Okay, that's that's pretty that's that's pretty good. I'm I'm surprised that it's uh well, who who'd be second, Keegan Murray or, or is Javari I, Smith still second? I, I think I think last time I checked, I know Paolo was one, I believe, and two, I believe, was Jabari. I think I may be off there, but I know Jay Nivey was yeah. third. Yeah, uh, Jay Nivey's obviously a real real exciting rookie. We're gonna talk about him. In just a moment, but if you want to bet on the rookie of the year line, if you want to bet even on over unders, I saw that earlier in the summer at least they had over unders for stat lines for many of the top rookies. You can check it all out at Bet Online. So head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So kind of on, on that note then, um, you know, obviously I think this, the central thing for the Magic and the Pistons it, are those young players. And everything that they're doing is to get the most out of Cade Cunningham, to get the most out of Sadiq Bey, who's you know, a little bit older, but but still a fairly young player, to get the most out of Jaden Ivey, to get the most out of Paolo Bancaro, on the Magic side, get the most out of Paolo Bancaro, Franz Wagner, uh, Jalen Suggs still, um, you know, although he had a rough rookie year. Um, but what do you, what did you, let's start with Cade, um, you know, cause obviously I think the attraction of this opening night matchup for both the magic and the Pistons is that matchup of, of the top two rookie of the top rookie or the number one overall picks of the last two years. Um, Cade obviously had that rough start to the year, but finished so strong, strong enough that, that there was some real rookie of the year discussion from him uh, for him uh, on that front. What do you want to see from Cade this season? Um, as, as for his second year. So I, I, it's honestly, I, I've said this, I've, I've guessed it on other podcasts and said this, it's, it's really funny because heading into his rookie year, what people thought would be his strengths and what people thought would, what he would struggle with his rookie year was like the complete opposite of what actually ended up happening. People thought that, you know, he doesn't, he's not a great athlete. He may, fin- he may struggle to finish around the rim, but he's going to be a really good shooter. What ended up happening was, oh, he's a pretty damn good finisher. He can finish with both hands. He's very, crafty around the rim he's a he's actually is a pretty good athlete he has a seven foot wingspan along with being like six 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 seven he's able to finish around the basket but now he's struggling shooting from beyond the arc so i think what people expecting from him his second year now is to get back to shooting how he was in college in that last college season he was a nice shooter heading into the nba people thought that he would be a really nice shooter he struggled with that his rookie season i think that's the main part of his game he's already a really nice finisher i think everybody realizes that he's a pretty good playmaker as well. He makes his teammates better. 
Um, I'd like to see him be a little bit more consistent defensively as a second-year player. Most rookies are really bad defensively. I'd like to see him actually grow into his actual potential as a defender on his second year. Um, but mostly, I think everyone just really is concerned on his outside shooting. I think if he's able to actually become that outside shooter that people thought he was going to be his rookie year, I think it's going to be really tough for anybody to try to stop him offensively. Yeah, and, and obviously, I mean, obviously, Cade is still a really good player. Like again, it's 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 hard to it's 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 easy to kind of pick those flaws in his game. But you know, and this is kind of a philosophical question I want to ask you a little bit more about is you know your rookie year. Like everyone expects rookies to be bad. I I, I think I think people sometimes forget rookies are bad. They're not good. There, there's a reason why all the teams at the bottom of the stand. It's the reason why like what the three of the four or five top bottom teams in the league. They had the top picks the previous draft. It, it takes a little while for for rookies to for young players to figure things out. Um, and you know, like you know, the Magic obviously had Jalen Suggs, who was their celebrated rookie from from that draft, uh, who really struggled. Like just uh, in the same way, couldn't hit a shot to save his life. Was like one of the worst shooters in the entire league. He was great defensively. Like he is beyond uh, good for. I think he was like second in in several like kind of advanced defensive metrics for rookies. And obviously Herbert Jones from. The Pelicans is kind of kind of the lead guy, and he's a little. I think he's a little bit older. He's not like straight out, you know, straight out of high school type guy, or straight out of freshman year of college type guy. But um, you know, there with rookies, you. I always say this: like with rookies, you just want to make sure that they can play, that they can hold their own on the court. And obviously, Cade could do that. There's areas where Jalen Suggs could do that. Certainly, Franz Wagner on the Magic's end could do that. Um, philosophically, what do you see as kind of the the biggest thing that you want to see? from a rookie who doesn't know anything to a, a second year player or sophomore player who, you know, has that experience under his belt. And now you have to start thinking about what, you know, what he's actually going to be like, I, like I kind of believe, you know, that second year is when you really start to cement, okay, this is who this player is in our future. We can't pretend he's the draft prospect anymore. Now we've had two years of data. We've had two years of experience with them. Now we know who he is. Like, how do you how important do you feel this this second year is for any for you know for the Magic's guys for for the for for Cade as far as figuring out who he who he is beyond this rookie contract essentially? So I I can I completely agree with what you were saying about I feel like a lot of fans have to try to understand that I know I'm struggling with talking <laughs> with fans about this certain part um, on the Pistons side, but rookies are not good. Like rookies are usually not good. For rookies compared to other rookies, they may be better than each other. But if you compare them to the majority of the NBA and actual NBA landscape, majority of the time they're not very good. They're they're not very most rookies are very bad defensively. And they often have a lot of things that they struggle with, which is fine. They're rookies, but like I think fans go way too quickly at trying to anoint guys uh before before they actually are there. Um but yeah, I think. I don't know about I don't know how I feel about um, thinking you thinking you already know where a guy will be after their second year. I like to give them a little bit longer, especially if they're a younger prospect. I think this I think it kind of depends on what kind of prospect it is. Um, I think it's a little different though for Cade and Franz. I actually was going to ask about Franz because I think Cade and Franz have kind of proven through their rookie year that they may be franchise worthy type of guys. So I think it's different for guys like that rather than. I think a really good parallel here before between Magic and Piston fans are Killian Hayes and Jalen Suggs. I think it's it's two different things with those guys. Those guys you pretty much know, okay, they look like they're our franchise guys. Now we need to see them start to take steps towards that. These guys, the other ones, you I think you kind of just want to see improvement 
from them in areas, some specific areas at some point, and that they may become something three year three, year four, year five. They may take them a little bit longer than some of these franchise guys, Cade, uh, Paolo, maybe Franz, uh, Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay, I know he came on a little bit quicker than people thought he or or he's he also an older guy too, though. Yeah, accelerate to a point to where guys probably didn't think he would be at already. So I think it depends on the prospect. Um, but yeah, I think I, I agree overall with the point that usually first, second year guys are not overall great NBA players. And if they are, you have something really special. And 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 let me let me kind of add an addendum to that too. Like I think the uh, you know, I think what is good for a guy like Cade or a guy like Jalen Suggs is is different for you know, someone like, you know, maybe a little, maybe a little bit like Killian Hayes, like Sadiq Bay, even, even to some extent, Franz Wagner. Like uh, I kind of had this theory that, you know, because the magic were so young, they didn't really have any established guys. A lot of teams put Jalen Suggs pretty high on their scouting report and really put a focus on stopping him and, and, and kind of accentuating some of the, you know, rookie mistakes that he would make. Um, and I think that allowed, you know, to some extent, I think that allowed Cole Anthony to have such a strong start to the season in his second year. And then as teams started getting more tape on the magic and how they were running and how they were playing, they, they adjusted and you saw Cole's numbers come back down to earth a little bit. Um, you know, Cade Cunningham, I think some of his early struggles was, was maybe some, you know, you could probably tell me if I'm, I'm right on this, um, was something a little bit similar, like the expectations and the role that he played for that, for the Pistons was he was the main star, um, one thing I think Franz Wagner took advantage of, and, and and I think this is just naturally how Franz plays too, and he's really good within this role. Franz Wagner isn't a give me the ball, I'm going to break someone down off the dribble, load up a defense against me. He is going to look for cutting opportunities. He's going to look for spot-up opportunities. He's going to look for kind of side pick and roll, kind of ball reversal pick and roll opportunities. Um, it, he, he's not someone that you can necessarily load a defense against. Like you could, you find ways to stop him, obviously. Uh, and keep him on, keep you know, try and keep him uninvolved. But like, you know, I, I know a lot of Magic fans are, are frustrated about Franz Wagner's development in some way because we all watched him at EuroBasket, and and he did everything he did with Orlando at a higher level, which is really really exciting to see. But I think a lot of Magic fans are like, get him the ball more, let him run some pick and rolls a little bit more, let him be a little bit more in charge. And, and I think one of the interesting things the Magic might do this year, they might not do it this year, um, is give Franz Wagner more usage, um, you know, make him more of a playmaker passer rather than someone who's kind of on the receiving end of a lot, a lot of things. And again, I, I know I said this on my podcast when I was talking about Eurobasket and what he did for, for t- uh, team Germany in that tournament. If Franz Wagner does what he did for the magic last year, but better, but more efficiently, that's still a 17, 18, you know, 20, that could still be a 20 point per game. And I guy just not in the way, that I think a lot of people associate those kinds of players with. And, and I think that's one of the things that we're all interested to see with Paolo, with Paolo is Paolo seems like he's more of that traditional, give him the ball, get out of the way type guys. The magic, you know, we're relying on Cole Anthony to do that. And, and we all love Cole down here, but you know, teams figured out how to slow Cole down uh, pretty, pretty significantly. And so, you know, to that point, like Cade has had different expectations. He had a different role. And, you know, especially for guys that, play that that are rookies and play that kind of star, you know, star creator roles, those guys struggle. Um, I think people forget Kevin Durant, what shot 32% from three is rookie year or was like below 30% is rookie year. Like you go on basketball reference, look up Kevin Durant's rookie year numbers. He got the, he got the points, but it was not the efficiency that we associate with Kevin Durant today. 
the Trey Young, much Trey Young's much the same way. They let Trey Young just kind of go wild his rookie year. He missed a lot of shots. He turned the ball over a lot his rookie year. And as he learned, as he grew, as he understood what he had to develop, what he had to improve, he's gotten better. And obviously he's still super young too. He's going to continue to get better. And I feel like Kate is definitely a guy that's going to be like that. Powell is going to go through those struggles this year. Jalen Suggs went through a lot of those struggles last year. Um, your the role you play as a rookie, I think, could be just as important for your development as anything else. Yeah, and you know, listen to you talk about the Magic. It it makes me feel like the Magic and Pistons are really similar in a lot of ways. I feel like Cade is like your guys's Paolo, and then what you were describing with Franz, I feel like it's exactly why I described with Sadiq. Yeah, is that you don't need Sadiq to go out there and try to break down guys. You don't need Sadiq to try to go out there and develop an ISO game to where he's putting six, seven dribbles onto the ground. No, I need to see him. If he can just simply become more efficient at what he's good at, if he can turn what he's good at into a great things he's at, go from good to great at outside shooting, go to good to great at catch and shooting, go from good to great at off the, off the catch, off screens, like that kind of thing and become efficient. Now that's the quickest way for them to get from 17, 18 points a game to 20 points a game, just becoming more efficient and better what they're already, already good at. So I think that's the parallel there. And I really do feel like Jalen Suggs and Killian Hayes are very similar too. Both really good defenders for their age, really good defenders at the guard position. Kate or Killian is a very good playmaker. I'm not so sure if if Suggs is. I, I didn't watch a lot of him, um, but I feel like they are very similar in guys who have NBA qualities, NBA potential, and need to bring something offensively. And if they're able to come along on that offensive end, find find what it is that they can improve on and become good at, then they can become really valuable players at that position because they already have some NBA skill set to them on the other end of the floor. So I, I feel like there's a lot of similarities between the Pistons and Magic, and it's definitely going to be interesting to watch because, like you said at the beginning, these teams are going to grow with each other. By the yep. time by the time these teams are ready to contend, it's going to be the exact same time. Like They're going to be competing against each other at the exact same times, hopefully. Uh, so it's going to be incredibly interesting. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, like the, 20, the 2027 Eastern Conference Finals can't get here fast <laughs> enough. Right. Um, that's, 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 a, that's roughly, roughly, hopefully not that, that long, but, <laughs> but, but I, I miss, I miss, I miss those classic magic Pistons uh, series that were mostly in the Pistons favor, almost all in the Pistons favor. Um, uh, but um, it's been a long time. It's yeah. It's been a, been a while. Time. It's been a while. Um, uh, I want to, uh, we're going to take, we're going to take a, a short break to play some, the ad breaks in here. Um, but I want to talk more about this year, this year's team on, on both ends as we get ready for opening night uh, with, between the magic and, and the Pistons. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, Koo, um, let's let's dive into this season then, because obviously, before we can get to, to to the before we can get to the twenty twenty seven Eastern Conference Finals, we gotta we gotta get through this season first. What is kind of the biggest question you have for the Pistons that the Pistons have to kind of resolve or come out of this season knowing as they get ready for whatever their next step is? Uh, I think my I think my biggest question right now for the team is 
it's not so much. I don't have many questions about Cade. I think Cade is already. I think everyone feels pretty confident that Cade's the face of the franchise. I think my biggest questions are about his surrounding cast and who's going to prove to be a part of this young core moving forward. I think that's what all this season is about. Which guys are actually getting better? Which guys take a step forward this year? And which guys prove that they need to be here behind beyond next year? Because I think this upcoming season, this is the last season the Pistons, I think they're going to try tanking, or maybe I shouldn't say tank. The Pistons fans like calling it a restore. They, that's, that's what they like calling it. So so I think this is the last year they go for that route where they don't really care about win losses. They just want to see a competitive team get better. I think next year they're going to go for it. They're going to get some free agent signings. They're going to trade for some players. They're going to draft another great prospect, hopefully. I think then they're going to go for it. And at that time, they need to figure out, okay, which of these guys are actually going to be here for us? Which one of these guys are going to be playing for us for the 23-24 season? Um, and I think that's the biggest question about this season. Is Sadiq Bey good enough to be a third or fourth, third best player on a team? Or is he a fourth guy? Or is he a fifth guy? Can Isaiah Stewart become an outside shooter and actually be a starting caliber center? Is not. Is he good enough to be a backup five for the Pistons? Is Killian Hayes going to improve offensively to where maybe he can start next to Cade? Or can he be one of the best backups in the league? Or is he finding his way onto a new team to find his way in his career? Like These are questions I think the Pistons are trying to figure out this season that need to be answered desperately uh, for what they want to do the following season. Um, and that's that by far, not win losses, not anything else. Not I mean, obviously you want to see Cade improve, but I don't think anyone has questions about that. The real questions, I think, start with Sadiq, Stu, and Killian Hayes, who all came from the first Troy Weaver draft. Yeah, uh, you know, I I think that's that's fair. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw throw this throw this at you. This is something the Magic have been talking about throughout the course of the offseason. Um, at the end of the season last year, you know, Magic beat the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat were playing many of their their top guys. Um, you know, everyone was oddly feeling very good about a 22 in season, and Jamal Mosley challenged his team then. You know, now we have to level up. Now we have to 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 kind of get a get a look, get better, and and that's been a kind of phrase that he's used throughout the course of the year. And every time he's talked about what does it mean to level up, he's talked about you know this sense of accountability, this this understanding of okay, we we've we've seen what we've seen some of the talent that we have. Now we have to start figuring out how to direct that toward winning. Now we have to start you know doing the things that lead to winning, making fewer mistakes, repeating, not repeating mistakes. Like if, if you make a mistake once, we point it out to you, correcting it. And, and it's essentially learning, like this kind of crash course in learning how to win and, and, and doing that. And, you know, I think, uh, and it sounds like you kind of feel like the Pistons are in the same boat this season, at least. The Magic aren't out there looking to make the playoffs this year. Like, look, like, I think I think you would agree with, you, you might agree with this. I, I certainly feel this. If Cade Cunningham comes out and looks like an all-star, like takes a real big leap, yeah, Detroit has a roster that's good enough to compete for a play-in spot, maybe even compete for the playoffs. Like they got some great veterans, you know, they 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 have some good young talent to surround them. I feel the same way about the Magic. If Paolo Bancaro is that guy, if um, Franz Wagner takes a, a pretty sizable leap, if Wendell Carter um, takes a pretty good leap, they have a lot of young players, but they have some interesting depth. Uh, that could take them to the play-in tournament. I don't think any of us are closing the door. You know, getting to the 10 seed isn't the hardest thing in the world to do. It, it, it can be done. Um, if you get hot at the right time, if you have good injury luck, if play, if young players, you know, young players, the reason why no one predicts young teams to be better is nobody knows how good young teams can be. Um, and so, you know, the Magic aren't putting those expectations on their team either. Um, they just want to see the team 
take steps to win. And so I, I think for the Magic, what their goal this season, and, and I think the Magic, in some ways, I think the Magic are a year behind Detroit because Detroit got Cade Cunningham. They got their star guy uh, a year ahead of them, a year ahead of them. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't know what, you know, we think we know what Paolo is. We don't know what Paolo is yet. And, and that's going to be one of the more exciting and interesting things to watch throughout the course of the year. But by the same token, Orlando's other kind of young veterans uh, are, are a little bit ahead of where Detroit is too. You know, Wendell Carter had a really nice season for the Magic last year. Um, I think they view him as a really versatile defender, potential floor spacer as well. Um, you know, Mo Bamba had a night, had a, he's probably coming off the bench this year, had a really nice season last year, you know, Cole Anthony is what Cole Anthony is, and, and he's going to be in a different role. Markel Fultz, it, you know, again, there's all these questions, but Markel Fultz is undoubtedly a guy who can play um, at an NBA level when he's healthy. And, and, and obviously, you know, I think it's going to be real interesting to watch what he does this season with, you know, essentially playing for Jabal Mosley for the first time and having his first fully healthy off, his first healthy full offseason of his career. The only other time he was healthy was uh, t- between the 2020 and 2021 seasons after the bubble. So he didn't have a full offseason, and then he tears his ACL shortly after that. So we've never really seen Markel Fultz able to use an offseason to get better. So it's, it's hard to remember he's young. Um, and, you know, we've gone 30 minutes now. Jonathan Isaac's still technically on the roster, I think. Um, but um, by the time by the time this airs, we might know that he's actually ready to play. Um, so there, there's all these, you know, and, and again, like, you probably relate. Detroit's Detroit's got a lot of these questions about their their young guys too, but the goal I think for Orlando this year is to exit this season understanding which guys can help us win, which guys don't necessarily fit the fit the puzzle so much, um, and and then start to make moves to to make that puzzle clear. Like um, I kind of joke, you know, and this is an analogy that I've used a lot. Last season for the Magic was we have all these puzzle pieces, but we don't know what the picture on the box looks like. So maybe we have the, maybe we start forming the edge pieces and the corner pieces this season for the magic, at least. And, and, and you can comment whether you feel like this is a good analogy for the Pistons this season for the magic. I want to know what that, what the picture on the box begins to look like. So I can start forming that puzzle and, 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 and filling and filling in the middle. No, I think that is exactly what the Pistons are doing. I almost ex- like to a T it's crazy how similar it sounds like the Pistons and Magic are going through right now. I think to add to an like another part to your analogy is that not only are you trying to figure out like what the picture is, you need to find out if you have the right puzzle pieces for that picture. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you need to trade some of these puzzle pieces to get the right pieces for this picture? I think that's what the Pistons are really trying to do. It sounds like the Magic are trying to do the same thing. Do we have the right pieces to this picture? Do we need to go find the other pieces to this picture? Who here is that? I think that's the big questions trying to figure out um this season and just real quickly on on the play-in because i'm i also i get into it a lot of fans yep. <laughs> community because of the playing stuff i think the playing is very unrealistic for the pistons I, basically in almost any scenario this year in the eastern conference i feel like if they were in That's the western news. conference then it'd be different i feel like the western conference has the four or five teams that are trying to tank all the teams that are really trying to like full-blown Victor Webinyama, I believe I said his name right. Back for Webinyama. There, <laughs> there you go. Worst Benyama. Uh, yeah, Houston, OKC. I mean, Sacramento's. Uh, sorry to our good friend Matt George, but Sacramento's never good. Uh, San Antonio, full blown tanking. Like that's where the teams are, where you can maybe squeeze in at the tenth. In the East, you got obviously the top eight: Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, Toronto, Chicago, Brooklyn, Atlanta. Cleveland just got Donovan Mitchell. That's nine teams. And then the teams after that, you got Charlotte, 
who made the playoffs last year. I can see them getting worse. I don't think New York's getting worse again. I think New York's going to be better this year, more healthy with their addition of Jalen Brunson. Washington Wizards, they have Bradley Beal and Kristaps Porzingis and Kyle Kuzma and a, a couple other nice pieces. So it, it, I feel like the only three teams that are really going to be just like piecing out on the season, I don't want to say piecing out on the season, but aren't really focused on trying to make a play in are the Pistons, Magic, and Pacers. So it's like, I, I just don't know if it's like a realistic option for the Pistons because they're in the East. If they're in the West, I could maybe see them squeeze into the 10th if things go right. If things go right for the Pistons this year, I still see them finishing like 13th or 12th because of just how strong the East has gotten. Not just this past offseason, but really it's been building for like the last few years. The East is the East is not the same East of the 2012-2013. It's deep in the East. And, 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 you know, kind of to that point, like on balance, I agree with you completely. Like I, I've been telling Magic fans throughout the offseason, like I did a power rankings and I think I still had the Magic 13th or 14th. And I was just like, look, this isn't a statement of that the Magic are a worse team or or anything like that. This is a statement that the East has gotten better, uh, that, you know, the Magic are still, uh, the Pistons are the same boat, I, 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 would agree, I would think are still an extremely young team. We just don't know. The, the only, the only, you know, the only bit of optimism I would give you, and, and I certainly give Magic fans, is when young players get good, they get good really, really fast. And Fair. and you know, you know, I know the East is different now than it was in 2019. You know, the Magic were sitting at 20 and 31, uh, went on a 22 and nine run to to get to the seven seed, uh, to get to 42 wins. If 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 getting to the, you know, I, I remember Scott, the Scott Skiles year that he was in Orlando, he said something that, that always has stuck with me. Um, getting from 25 wins to 35 wins is not that hard in the NBA. You know, you win a couple close games here, you go through, you get, you have a spurt of confidence there. You can, you could easily get from where the Magic and Pistons are at a 22 wins to get to 30, 30, 30, you know, get to 30 plus 35 wins. Is getting from 35 to 45, that's the real trick. That's really, really difficult. So, you know, I would I would say this, like, especially with the with how big this upcoming draft is, some of those veteran, more veteran teams that you discussed, or or some of those other teams like that that maybe need that influx of talent, they could very easily decide earlier than a team like the Magic or the Pistons that playing for the draft is a little bit more valuable. Um, because they know they're stuck in the middle. I, I don't think, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you agree with this. I know I've said this a million times. The Magic are not tanking this year. We're done with tanking. We may be naturally a bad team and may be in a good position for the draft lottery this season, but the Magic are the Magic should not be in the business, and I, I, I would assume you agree that the Pistons are the same, should not be in the business of positioning themselves for the draft lottery at least until a few weeks after the All-Star break, at least until March, like maybe the last month and a half, like whatever. Um these teams have a lot to learn and a lot to gain, even if they're not winning all the time. And, and, and they have young players that they need to see out there, that they need to see out there together so they can figure out what, what their next step is. And, and especially, you know, again, with, the, with, this, with this kind of a draft where both are expected to have high picks, there's a lot of talent out there uh, that they could maybe pick a guy based more on need than, than, on, than on talent alone. They're, they're, not looking, they're not necessarily looking for the superstar. Now, obviously, you win the lottery – you're happy to ha- you're happy to have that. No one's turning that down, but but there's there there there's there's something else at play for these teams. And so you know a, a team like New York, even a team like Washington to some extent, if they have injuries again, if they decide to blow it up, a team like Charlotte, you know, I don't think Steve Clifford would ever do that, but a team like Charlotte, even 
could make a decision much earlier than a team like Orlando Detroit to say like the season's lost. Let's, let's collect, let's collect our winnings. Honestly, Chicago, like if Lonzo ball is, you know, Lon- losing Lonzo ball last year. And I know they signed Goran Dragic, which I really liked for them. Um, losing Lonzo ball was a big reason why they fell down the standings last year. If they have a bunch of injuries, Chicago doesn't have their pick if it's outside the top four. They may decide. They, they may understand and decide really, really quickly. Like, hey, we got Zach Levine in the bag. Let's go get him a really high level player in the draft. Let's roll the dice a little bit on that. Make sure that we we get that kind of a player. So there, you know, things get weird. A lot of things happen during the NBA season. So I, I would I would tell you, like, yes, obviously, don't expect it. But I, I'm I don't I think Detroit definitely has a play in tournament caliber roster. For Orlando does. You know, if I if I tell I, I tell Magic fans this, like, of course, there's a universe where the Magic make the playoffs. If Jalen Suggs becomes the player we all imagine he could be last year, if you know, you know, we all we all believe in Marco Fultz here. I don't know if the national people believe in Marco Fultz as much as Orlando. I'm I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Marco Fultz. Yeah, he's 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 just such a great game manager. Um, you know, as far as everything else. Um, you know, I, I don't know how the vibes are in Detroit. The vibes in Orlando are really good. Like everybody loves Jamal Mosley. Everybody loves the messaging that he gives. Everybody loves how close and tight knit this, this young group is. People think that something could click and something could ignite. And all of a sudden the magic find themselves in a play in a play in chase. Um, I would tell fans like my expectation for the magic is be in the, you know, not necessarily be in the hunt hunt, but be on the periphery of the hunt, at least to the all-star break. Like let's, let's, Let's at least think that if we catch the right fire or, or we catch things right, we're 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 in the conversation. We're you know sometimes ESPN puts us on their on their standings board. Um, that uh, that I think is not completely unrealistic, but you know certainly optimistic too. And if if you can't be and like I don't know how you feel about this too. If you can't be optimistic about your team in October, then you're doing something wrong. <laughs> well, see the the way this is why I tell my listeners. Okay, I don't think that they're the Pistons are tanking, but this is this is my. This is my this is why my this is what my definition is. I don't think they're tanking, but I think tanking is going to be a result of it anyways by playing a lot yes, of young guys. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I don't like if you don't want to call it tanking, you don't have to call it tanking. I I, I am I am like as anti-tanking as anyone can be. And I know the magic <laughs> just got the number one pick. I I but people yell at me for my for my anti-anti-tanking takes. Uh for my anti-tanking tanking tapes. I did a double negative there. I don't know what I actually said. Um but I, I would tell I, I told everyone this at the time. Like this team is bad. They don't need help being bad. Like exactly. get something, yeah. get something positive out of out of it if you're going to be bad at least. You know, like literally, like I would say, if Paolo Bencaro is taking 20 shots a game and the Magic are bad and he's just trying to f- and and we could clearly see like oh he he's going to be that kind of a guy. Let him take 20 shots a game and figure figure it out. I mean, I'm uh, like I would imagine that's kind of how you felt when Cade went through some of his struggles last year. It's like look this. It's going to hurt the team now, but him figuring this stuff out, going through some of these struggles now, that's going to make him a better player down the road. He's going to understand, like, if I want to get to this spot, if I want to be this kind of a scorer, this kind of a playmaker, these are the defenses I'm going to see. I've got to spend my summer figuring it out. No, yeah. So that, that's basically exactly what, I'm, what I'd be telling my listeners, that they hate tanking too. So I'm like, listen, it, you don't have to call it tanking, but simply yeah. by playing a bunch of 21, 22-year-olds a bunch of minutes, they're probably just going to lose games just because of that. They don't have to yep. try to lose. They they're probably just going to lose because of that. So, yep. it, it I've said this before. A lot of things would have to break right for the Pistons to try and make the plan. A lot of the scenarios with other teams, like you brought up, like guys deciding to just punt on the season early or possible injuries, but injuries happen. So maybe that's actually somewhat realistic. 
um, but injuries. And then also multiple guys on the team would have to hit. Cade would have to take an all-star jump. Sadiq would have to take a jump. Stu would have to take a jump. Marvin Bagley had to take a jump. Killian had to take a jump. Like all kinds of things had to break right. And I don't want to say it's, that's impossible of happening because we would all love to see our young guys take that jump. It's I just feel like it's unrealistic to assume that every single young guy takes a jump. It's it's usually you get a few guys and some guys you figure out okay they're just not here for it. So it, it listen if the Magic or the Pistons were to make the play in, listen I, I I'd be ecstatic. I'd be ecstatic. I just think that it's going to be it's, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough, and you're going to need some help from some other teams to make it happen. The, the odds on Bet Online are are, are long for yeah, the, um, <laughs> yeah, it's not great odds. Before before we wrap up though, let me I have to ask yeah. you a question yeah, yeah. about the Magic real quick. There's one question I have about the one of the Magic players, and we were kind of talking about it in in the group the other day, our locked on group. Jonathan Isaac, he, <laughs> when when eventually he plays, when eventually he's healthy to play, is there he doesn't does he have a future with you guys still? Do you guys still think that he can get to where he was before? I believe before he got hurt, he was borderline defensive player of the year, kind of like p- potential with a guy who could be a potential floor spreader on offense. Is a really enticing prospect. So are you guys like completely done with him? Because if you guys are. I'm going to be texting Troy Weaver and asking him to please trade for him because <laughs> yeah, no, I'll take him. I, 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 I don't think the magic are completely done with him, but you know, you look at the roster now, I, the roster, the, the roster, the last time he played for this team, is completely different than the roster now than the roster he's returning to. I think Terrence Ross and Mo Bamba are the only players that Jonathan Isaac has actually played, played with on this team. It's that, that, that the roster has gone through that much of a transformation. Um, and that includes the position that he plays. Um, drafting Paolo Bancaro, drafting Franz Wagner, both of those guys look like foundational players, and so and, and they're penciled into the starting lineup as the two forwards. Um, I've joked with some people that I'm, I'd be open to a lineup with all three of them in there just to try it out because you got nothing to lose this year. Why not try things out? I don't think Franz works as a two as, as much, but um, but you know, again, go crazy. Why not? Um, if if it if it makes sense. Um, so I think I do expect Jonathan Isaac to play this year. Um, it is not entirely clear if it will be in training camp or at some point during the season. And, and that part is incredibly frustrating. Um, you know, obviously uh, the magic protected themselves with the contract they gave him. His, his contract is now fully non-guaranteed for the final three years of that extension that he signed. Um, and so if it doesn't look like he's coming back or the magic need that cap room, they can they can cut bait pretty quickly, and again, that's that's an, that's also an enticing uh, contract to have available in a trade. You know, I think a lot of people forget about this. You know, the Magic re-signed Gary Harris to a two-year deal. They re-signed Mo Bamba to a two-year deal. People forget about this when you're making trades. You need big contracts to move around if you're going to make that kind of big splashy trade. And so, you know, if the Magic do decide, you know, to, at some point to push their chips into the middle, Jonathan Isaac's a really good contract to have because it is seventeen million dollars a year. And it's fully non-guaranteed. So if a team is like, yeah, we, we just we we want hit we want him just so the salaries match, then you have that that chess that chess piece to move. I hate I always hate you know kind of reducing players to that, but that's a reality of the business as well. Um, but having said that, I do think the Magic want to give Jonathan Isaac every opportunity to come back and, and to play. And, and the way that they've always been about bringing guys back is very slowly. You know, Marco Fultz played. 
only after the All-Star break last year, you know, they were very, very cautious with bringing him back. He played no more than 20 minutes per game until the last game of the season. He came off the bench. They were really, really patient and cautious with his return. I can't imagine if Jonathan Isaac comes back this year or when Jonathan Isaac comes back this year, I can't imagine that he will play more than 20 minutes per game. I can't imagine that he will start. He'll probably come off the bench. I can't imagine he'll play back-to-backs. You know, Jeff Weltman, the Magic's uh, president of basketball operations, has said, you know, we want to be careful bringing him back because he has not played NBA basketball in two years. He has not gone through the rigors of the schedule in two years. And so they're going to still be really, really, really cautious with him. What he looks like when he returns, that's, I think, ultimately going to determine where he fits into this team. Um, Can he be a sixth man or can he be a guy coming off the bench to kind of change games defensively? Absolutely. You know, if that's all he is this year, I think that would be a huge boost to the team. Um, you know, they 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 need kind of those energy guys off the off the bench a little bit. But you know, you're right. He is if he comes back anywhere near where he was before his injury, then the Magic suddenly have a really difficult choice to make because Isaac is a starter level player in this league. He is a potential defensive player of the year. I I, I would honestly still say, you know, even with Paolo here. Isaac is the one player on this team that can do something at an elite level. And if you want to win in this league, if you want to be a championship level team, you need guys who are going to be on all defensive team. You need guys who are going to be all NBA players. You, you need guys that do things at elite levels. And, and Isaac is certainly a guy that can play at that level. And, 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 and that's something you, you just, you can't ignore. Fair enough. All yeah. I know is that, listen, there's gonna be a lot of teams lining up for him, apparently. Yeah, right, right. If if I'm telling you this, if if he starts to look like it, and the Magic are like, listen, we just don't got enough room for him, I'm I'm picking up my phone. I'm, I'll I'm pick that phone Troy up. Reaver. I'm calling Troy Reaver myself. I'm like, listen, Troy, we gotta go get Ji. We gotta go get that Isaac. He, he's yeah. he's a. He, I really like. I know Jonathan Isaac has some off the court stuff about fitting with some locker room locker room players and all that stuff. But a play, uh, the like, player he was. He's, let me let me let me clear the air. Let me clear the air on some of that. Um, you know, there's there's a lot made about Jonathan Isaac's off-court activities. For, as far as I understand it, nobody has an issue with Jonathan Isaac. He is he he is extremely good in the community here in Orlando. He's extremely giving. He's the like humblest person in the world. Like I joke about this all the time with with my friends. If Jonathan Isaac had any kind of ego, he probably would have gone number one in that draft ahead of Tatum, ahead of Fultz ahead of Lon, I think Lonzo Ball is in that draft. Um, the guy just, the guy is just, is, is really giving and really, really humble. And, and there's, uh, when you watch him play, there are just times when you're like, go get yours, man, go, go get yours. And, you know, he's, he's well-liked in the locker room, you know, his religion, his decision to stand, the stand during the national anthem in the bubble was not an issue. Um, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, some of the associations he's made recently have given the team some headaches just because it's, it's bad public relations. Um, but it's, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily how he believes. I think there's personally having, having known him for a little bit, having interacted with him, I think there are people with bad intentions who are using his naivete, his, his faith and his belief to get their own messages out there rather than actually let him speak for himself. And, and that, that part frustrates me because I like people here in Orlando know who he is and, and you can agree or disagree with this decision to stand during the Anthem. Uh, generally, I think the NBA supported him and supported that. And people tried to make a conflict out of it. Um, you, you, I, I certainly will criticize him for some of the associations that he's made. Um, but I also think that if you actually listen to 
the things, and you can certainly agree or disagree with his the decision not to get vaccinated. Um, but that's his decision, and and everyone res- everyone seems to respect that decision. He's not out there pushing necessarily, uh, pushing that the vaccines are bad. He's just said it's not for him. So you know, yeah, there are all those questions, and and I think those are fair. You know, he's a public person. His 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 associations, his beliefs are going to be questioned, going to be scrutinized. But I can t- I can tell you, and even from the f- the little tidbits that I've seen, his message is not their message. There, there, there are people trying to use, in my opinion, there are people trying to use him to get their messages out there and, and are kind of silencing what Isaac wants to say and what Isaac's about in the process. And so like that, that's how I feel as someone who's been around him long enough, but you know, maybe I'm justifying a reason to, to still support the guy uh, uh, since, since he's around here. Um, that's all, yeah, that's all, Paul, yeah, he's a he's a, he's a hell of a basketball player when he's healthy. <laughs> let's let's let's, 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 let's <laughs> right. say that. Um, Ku, uh, I want to thank you for for coming on here, talking a little bit about where the Magic and Pistons are out on on the extremely micro level. Um, Pistons minus three. You, you take you taking that in, in a couple weeks here? <laughs> are, are the Pistons at home? It's in Detroit. I'll take the Pistons and win. I I. I tend to agree, but I also tend to also uh, go with the, uh, with the belief that uh, the first two weeks of the season are a complete crapshoot. You never know what the hell's going to happen. <laughs> so uh, don't, don't bet, don't bet on that first, first, uh, first day of the season, guys, uh, uh, even with our pals at bet online, it is, it is, it is a sucker's bet. Um, Ku, uh, tell everyone again, where, where my listeners can find you for those who are unfamiliar with, with uh, how to get in touch with you as, as we grow up together and, and reach the conference finals in the next three or four years. Yeah, right. So you can find me over on Twitter at Kukahill or all obviously Locked on Pistons on YouTube or whatever podcast platform you want to check it out on. Appreciate you, man, having me on. Appreciate you doing this crossover with me, man. It was a lot of fun. And again, like you said, I can't wait to watch these two teams grow up together. I think they're the two teams in the Easter Conference that are on, on damn near the same timeline. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see them grow up. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and, and obviously like both these teams really, really talented. I don't even think we talked too much about Jaden Ivy over the course of, of these 50 minutes. And, and, you know, like I have, I have my own questions about Jaden Ivy, but he's a really, really talented and special player too. Um, for the, for your listeners who don't know where to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. That's Philip with one L P H I L I P R underscore OMD. You can find me of course on locked on magic, wherever you download podcasts, as well as on YouTube. And you can check out my writing on the Orlando Magic on orlandomagicdaily.com. Ku, I want to thank you for coming on. We'll have to do this again, maybe do a midseason checkup or do a postseason checkup uh, since we're since we're we're in the same same class here and we're we're gonna we're gonna get to that again. 2027 Eastern Conference Finals. It's that, that that's Alex Martin's promised us a title by 2030. So that's, so that's the plan. So we, that's the we plan. gotta we gotta we gotta get we gotta get there sooner than later. Um, thanks everyone again for listening to today's episode. We'll see you all again next time for more episodes of Locked on Distance and Locked on Magic. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.